Good evening, City Gates. Hi, everybody. All right. Um, my name is Brian. I'm one of the leaders here. I've got a timer this time. <laughs> uh, I didn't have coffee before this, so hopefully I'll talk slower. Um, and it is my privilege to share the Word of God with you today. A little shout out to Lawrence there. Um, so <laughs> we've started a series called Disciple, which may or may not be on the screen at some point. Uh, and I don't know which week of the series we're in. I don't know if this is the third week, the second week, the fourth week. I mean, Mike preached a series or a sermon that was kind of part of the series, but wasn't officially part of the series. And then when Vic kicked off the series, he talked for like three and a half minutes about it and then moved on to compassion. Last week, he talked about Shanghai noon, of all things. So I don't know. <laughs> Say it with me. Wow. Um, so hopefully today we're actually kicking the series off. I am actually very excited for this series on... Um, being a disciple of Jesus, because I just think it's really helpful to go over um, arguably the basics of kind of Christianity. I think it's always helpful for us uh, to hear these things, whether you are new to Christianity or whether you've been a Christian for 150 years, like some people. Um, you know, it's just, it's helpful to kind of, I wasn't waving in anybody's particular direction. I don't know who you're talking about. Um, the thing is, uh, being a disciple is costly. That's, that's kind of the key thing. We were talking about that this week is being a disciple is costly. Jesus said if anyone wants to follow him, they have to count the cost. And it's not easy um, following Jesus. It can get hard. It can be difficult. It can go against what we want to do, our own wills, you know. Um, and so today we're going over a very costly part of discipleship, which is servanthood or serving or service or being a servant or however you want to say it. Um, now, before I get into it, uh, you may be listening to me and thinking, okay, sweet, we're talking about serving. That's great. I'm on like five serving teams. I serve like all the time, but you know, these people next to me, they need to hear this. So I'm so glad, Brian, that you're talking about serving. Um, and I just want you to just tune like the self-righteousness down a couple of notches, you know, just reel it in a little bit. Um, cause I know that's probably what would be going through my head. If I heard someone talk about serving, you're like, good. It's about time. Someone talks about that around here. This stand is just not going to work for me. So uh, turn with me to John chapter 13. <laughs> Not us. It's, yeah, yes, please, if you could. I'm going to read John chapter 13 while I change stands here. Um, we're going to read the first 15 verses. This is a story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. So John chapter 13, verses 1 to 15. Ah, oh, thank you so much, sir. Mucho appreciado. <laughs> Thank you, James. Shout out to James. Yeah. And so, serving. All right. Let me just read here. John 13. Uh, I'm going to read from the New Living. I'm sorry. It's not what's on the screen. Uh, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He knew he was going to die. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin or like a little bucket. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. Peter. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus said, no, I'm going to wash all the disciples' feet and skip yours. Yeah, I'm washing your feet, obviously. 
No. He said, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. And Peter protested, no, you will never, ever, ever wash my feet, said Taylor Swift. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you do not belong to me. So then Simon Peter says, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus says, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That's why, that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Let me just pray. God, we just pray that you would speak to us tonight um, through your word. Um, I pray that you would just be with us. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so I'm just going to point out a couple of things just from this story, and then um, I'll get into three points that start with the same letter. Um, So first thing is Jesus knew that his hour had come. So he knew he was going to die, and he knew it was not going to be like, you know, bullet to the head and you're done. It was going to be a long, slow, painful, torturous death. And so when you know you're going to die, you obviously would act differently. You're going to prioritize things differently. Um, and this is the thing, is that this is, this is Jesus' last, this is the Last Supper, okay? So we know it's sort of this, this famous story, Last Supper, and this is where he does the communion thing, you know, breaking the bread. This is my body. This is my blood, that whole thing. Um, which obviously is very directly connected to what's about to happen the next day. His body is about to be broken, right? We, we kind of make that connection. But of all the things that Jesus could have talked about at the Last Supper, he, he obviously chose his words very carefully, and he does this thing where he sits down and he washes their feet. Um, and so I think if we are choosing to be disciples of Jesus, and we're going to follow Jesus, um, the thing that he did at the Last Supper is probably pretty important. He's like, okay, you know, in conclusion, in summary of my entire, you know, ministry that I've done up to this point, here's what I want you to remember. And he washes their feet. So let's paint the picture. Here's the God of the universe on the floor washing nasty, dirty, smelly feet. I couldn't help but think about my kids when they take their winter boots off in this story. Man, it's like all of the stench of their feet stays contained until the boots come off and then it's just spread into the air of my house nasty. I don't like feet, in case you haven't figured that out yet. Um, now, the thing is, obviously, foot washing is weird to us. It's not like a normal thing. Like, if I was like, guys, I got a basin. Just take your socks off. You'd be like, no, I'm good. Thank you. That's just not a normal thing in our culture, right? And it was weird at that moment as well, but not for the same reason. So, foot washing was more normal, but it would be weird for Jesus to wash feet, because that's something that you get a servant to do, hence the whole serving message today. Um, so to kind of give you an idea of what that would be like, it would be like if you open the door and suddenly someone really important is at your door. Um, you know, the example that I thought of is Queen of England, but she, if she was at your door, you'd have other questions. But somebody <laughs> along the lines of the Queen of England is at your front door, and you're like, oh my goodness, yeah, uh, come in. And you're realizing your house is a mess, and you're like, you know, trying to put things away. You're like, welcome, welcome, you know. And then the Queen is like, listen, I was just wondering, could I just go wash your toilets for you? You'd be like, no, no, absolutely not. Kids, wash the toilets! You'd be like running around trying to clean up for this person. But it would be so weird to us if the queen walked into our house and started washing our toilets for us. That's just, we wouldn't expect that, right? It just doesn't make any sense. And that's what was happening here is Jesus is down washing their feet. This is something that even in those days, like you would have a host in the house 
And the guests would come in, an honored guest, and he'd be like, hi, welcome, we have dinner prepared for you, would you like your feet washed? And if they said yes, they'd be like, okay, my servant here is going to go do that for you, because it would be dirty for me to do it, it would be dirty for you to do it. And Jesus is doing that. And so, king of the universe, doing what would be a servant's job, really points to how Jesus cares about the small things. Um, We have so many things that we go to God with that we probably just think are not that important. So I was thinking about, like, Turkey, as an example, or Ukraine, um, children living in poverty, like the Compassion Children. Uh, I found out recently that a coworker of mine, they found out that their kid has leukemia. You're like, oh, that's so heavy, you know? And here I am praying that my weekend would go well. Like, that's not important, right? I'm not going to bother God with that. That's beneath him. And yet, he is washing feet, dirty, smelly, stinky, nasty feet. That's what Jesus, the king of the universe, is doing. He cares even about the small things. The second thing, of course, is Peter, uh, super goofball Peter. I relate to Peter so much, just the saying things and being like, ah, I spoke way too soon. Um, you know, he has this back and forth. Where he's like, don't wash my feet. Jesus is like, I have to. He's like, okay, then wash everything. And Jesus is like, I don't have to. He's like, ah, okay, cool. But the thing is, is that, <laughs> man, Jesus has so much patience um, for people like me and Peter. And he shares something profound in this moment. He says, um, you know, you don't have to wash again. He he speaks about you've already been washed. He's talking about salvation. He's saying you've already been washed. You don't have to get saved again. But we still mess up every day. We still step in crap every day. We get our feet dirty. And so there's this constant need for foot washing. Even after we've repented and said sorry for stepping in mud, we still step in mud every day. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're, you're already washed. You're clean. You're good, okay? Salvation, it's yours. However, you need to have your feet washed every day. And somehow... The king of the universe is the one doing it. And it's just, when you think about it in that context, you're like, that's, it's unfair. It's mind-bogglingly unfair. He should just banish us. Be like, listen, I came all this way. I died for you, and you're going to keep on sinning? Like, we're done. We're done here, you know? But actually, he doesn't. He literally stoops down and washes our feet again and again. And it just demonstrates the gravity of the situation of our salvation, how amazing it is. I also love the fact that John specifically, because this is in the Gospel of John, he points out that Jesus took his robe off, which I thought was interesting. So he basically is kind of mirroring um, this sort of famous verse in Philippians 2. I'm just going to read it. Um, I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, speaking about Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So this verse, this um, that's Paul talking in Philippians 2, just kind of speaks of how Jesus took his privilege off. He had every right to be like, actually, I'm God. I ain't washing your feet. He took his privilege off to come. And so this kind of picture of Jesus taking his robe off, getting down into the dirt and muck of us, of the earth, visiting us as a human, and doing his, his amazing thing that he did, and then leaving, accomplishing his mission, and taking, putting his robe back on. So anyways, it just kind of points to this whole thing about service. The last thing I wanted to point out is, so this, this Last Supper, the different uh, Gospels kind of, tell different bits and pieces of the story. And in Luke, it tells us that the disciples were fighting over who was the greatest. 
greatest of all time. Who's the goat other than Jesus? And it's just funny because it's like, think about Jesus in this moment. He spent three years pouring into these guys, okay? Literally, it's like, guys, I'm going to die tomorrow, and it's going to be brutal. And in that moment, he's got 12 guys he's poured into. One of them has already left to go and get 30 pieces of silver to betray him, right? And the other 11 are fighting over who's the best after Jesus. I would be like, well, that was a waste of three years. I'm out, you know? (laughs) And yet, this is how the Savior responds, so patient. And he sits down on the floor and washes the feet of the guys that were fighting over who's the greatest to say, this is how you decide who is the greatest. The greatest among you needs to be like a servant. Okay, doing okay for time. Um, I just really quickly wanted to touch on our four we are statements. I actually made a slide. I was like, oh, I could have a slide. And then I totally forgot to bring it. So it doesn't matter. Uh, We're going to go over our four we are statements because they specifically talk about being servants. The first one is very direct, but they are connected to the other three as well. So our first we are statement uh, at City Gates is we are Holy Spirit empowered servants like Jesus. So the connection here is it says the word servants in it. Okay, so number two, I'm just kidding. Um, The main point I wanted to point out is just that it says Holy Spirit empowered. So we naturally don't want to be servants. That's not what we want to do. Obviously, we typically just want to serve ourselves. You know, what do you want to do in your spare time? Oh, I just really want to go serve people, is said no one ever. You know, I want to go serve myself. I want to watch Netflix and, you know, eat popcorn or whatever. Um, So the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve. The Holy Spirit convicts us of wrong motives as well, which I'll talk about a bit later. Um, And so also the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to where we need to be and to who we need to be serving. But it says we're Holy Spirit-empowered servants like Jesus, because Jesus was also a Holy Spirit-empowered servant. Jesus served, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Again, Philippians 2, that same thing, humbled himself, became obedient to death. And so when we find ourselves not wanting to be a servant, which is often... We simply have to kind of look to Jesus as our model and be like, right, okay, so king of the universe had every right, every reason not to serve. He's literally spent three years pouring into these guys and they're fighting over who's the greatest. Rather than scolding them, he serves them. And he's not supposed to be doing that because he's the king of the universe. That's a servant's job. We have no excuse to not serve, you know? Um, And again, the Holy Spirit will motivate us and drive us to that. The second one is we are the hospitable family of Jesus. Um, and Mike, I believe, will be sharing on hospitality next week. But I just thought about how we are hospitable to each other is by serving each other. Think about it. So if I go to someone's house and they're very hospitable to me, right? It's like, okay, this is a wonderful experience. If I want to go to a restaurant and get that, then you can pay someone to be hospitable for you. And the person that you pay is called a server because they are serving you. That's what serving is, right? And so when we want to be hospitable to each other, um, we serve each other. Um, John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Um, And again, if you don't want to, you look to Jesus, the one who served, um, the one who was Holy Spirit empowered. Okay, number three, we are strategic missionaries for Jesus. I thought about Matthew 5, 16. It says, let your light shine before good men that they may see your good works. Let your light shine before men, good or bad, that they may see your good works. Um, service is an outreach. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone on the World Wide Web. This internet thing is pretty cool. Um, And there's lots of people that have opinions about Christianity. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. Uh, I have come across it a few times. And people have criticisms. Some are valid, some are not. Um, But I've noticed that whenever people on the internet who claim to not be Christians admire Christianity, it's usually service. Usually people see someone serving and go, yeah, that's 
There you go. That's, that's the Christianity that I, that I, you know, if they were all like that, I would be a Christian, right? Which isn't necessarily true, but that's typically things that people talk about. Service is actually a huge outreach, a huge opportunity for mission. Um, and again, they will know that we are disciples by our love for one another. So it just kind of shows it's all part of mission. And the last one is we are disciples devoted to Jesus. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, it is costly to be a disciple. Um, the bar is low to enter. Salvation is free. Uh, but Jesus said, if you want to follow him, you have to pick up your cross. Uh, Paul calls it dying to ourselves, basically letting our own desires take a back seat. Jesus, of course, modeled this for us perfectly in the garden before he died. He was like, hey, if possible, I would love for this to just not have to happen. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so that is the attitude that we are called to have as servants like Jesus. Um, being a disciple means obeying and following his lead, and he served, humbled himself, even to death on a cross. So the point is, is that when we understand the salvation that we've received, we cannot help but be patient with other people, serve other people, love other people, not because they deserve it, because they don't, but actually we didn't deserve it either, and he did it. And so it's just that same understanding of grace that points us outward. Okay, 17 minutes in. I'm ready for to start the sermon. Here we go. Okay, three points to start with the same letter. And bonus, they start with the same first two letters. What? Yeah, that's right. I'm up in the ante here. Okay, so number one is check your motives. Check your motives. Yeah, that's it. Our serving should be humble. Um, our hearts are so often arrogant, so often proud. And I just think about how the world promotes self-promotion. Everything is always just, you know, like making sure that you make a name for yourself. I was watching this hilarious video with my kids today of uh, <laughs> this lady goes up to a, a guy. She walks backwards up to him, and she's like, hey, can I have your sandwich really quick? And the guy's like, what? Yeah, sure, okay. So gives a sandwich, and then she goes, oh, and then she kind of like walks away backwards. You're like, what is she doing? And then the next day, the guy comes, his buddy comes up to him. He's like, yo, bro, is this you? And she plays it in reverse, and she comes over and goes, oh, so sad, hands him the sandwich, and then like walks away. I was like, that's so cheeky. But obviously the point is, is that people are just trying to promote themselves, make themselves famous, and Jesus calls us to humility. It's so countercultural. Um, and so serving can so often lead to unhealthy motives. You know, We can often be serving, again, filming ourselves, giving money or, or food to a homeless person. The guy wasn't even homeless. He was on his lunch break. <laughs> Anyways, um, I thought about Jeremiah 17.9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Um, yeah, we can so often deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, I'm a good person. I serve. I, I do good things. I'm a good person. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Um, we can't be serving for the wrong reasons. And of course, the, the main thing for this is the Pharisees. So Matthew 6, 5, Jesus is talking about them. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. This is the key line here. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. The reward that they were seeking was the approval of man. And they got it. Everyone's like, oh man, that, they're so holy. I can never be holy like them. Look at them walking around praying with their big fancy robes and all this stuff. Gosh. But you know what reward they don't get is a reward from their father in heaven. If we're seeking man's approval, that's all we're going to get. You know, um, Service is an outward action based on an inward, inward belief. And it should be in response to Jesus being a servant. It's so easy, again, to get into unhealthy, um, dead works, if you will. Um, a guy named Craig Grosschel, pretty sure that's how you pronounce his name. Um, 
Yeah, that's what I said, gross chow. He, uh, he leads a very large church in the United States. He had this great line. He said, serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. I was like, man, that's so true. Because so often we just think, okay, I'm just going to do some serving, and then I'm going to head out, you know? And um, it's actually interesting because the word volunteer is not in the New Testament. And I was thinking about that. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I just feel like volunteer kind of the, the word kind of speaks to this whole, okay, I have my time, and I am in control of my time. And you know what? Sure, I will donate some of my time. I will bless you with some of my time and service. It's kind of what this volunteer word speaks to. Um, whereas a servant is just like, that's just who I am. I'm just, you need that? Yeah, I got, I'll, I'll do it, you know, no matter what. Um, he shared some, this Craig guy shared some great examples of, uh, just funny examples where he started serving. And uh, one of them, he was like in a store, and he was helping this lady bag her groceries or something. And she's like, are you a bag boy? And he's like, today I am, you know, like, that's just what I, I'm called to be a servant. I'm going to do that, you know. But also on, in the motives conversation, um, I'm check your motives. We also have to be aware of dead works. So I thought about Mary and Martha. Um, there's this story in Luke 10. Jesus comes to this place. It says, Martha opened her home to him. But she also had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. So you kind of have this picture of like Martha being like, hey, Jesus, come on in. Yeah, absolutely. Welcomes him in. And she starts running around doing all the preparations. And Mary's just sitting there at Jesus' feet like a big smile on her face. And Martha comes in and she says, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do all the work by myself. Tell her to help me. And Jesus is like, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. And so obviously Jesus isn't saying don't serve. That's obviously not what he's saying. But it's just kind of this priorities thing where we can get into this rut where it's like, it's all about serving. That's all I need to do. I just need to make sure that I'm doing my serving and then I'm going home. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Why are you serving? We need to, again, be checking our motives constantly so that it's not coming out of a burden or a place of like duty, like I have to do this. It's like, no, it should be an over, overflowing fruit of our heart. Again, coming back to looking to Jesus. So that's the first thing. Check your motives. Uh, number two is choose service daily. So I was thinking about how serving um, is helpful in a couple of ways. It's kind of like a thermometer and also kind of like a treadmill. So um, as a thermometer, serving helps show the temperature of our hearts. So if someone asks you to serve, especially something difficult, not just like, hey, can you grab me that? But like, hey, can you do this really difficult thing? And your first response is, okay. Sure, fine. That's a good heart check right there. Be like, wow, I really don't like, to, I need to kind of check my motives here, right? In the, in the previous conversation. Um, again, is it beneath you to serve? Because it wasn't beneath Jesus, king of the universe, you know? But it's also a treadmill. It helps us exercise the serving muscle. Think about regular muscles. It's like if you don't exercise them regularly, you look like this. It's not healthy, right? You need to be exercising them all the time. If we get weak on our serving muscle, we can fall into self-serving habits, right? Again, how I talked at the beginning of like, you know, rest is important. Don't get me wrong. This is, we should do a whole other sermon about rest. Um, but the thing is, we can often fall into self-serving habits very easily. Our culture just is all about, you know, just got to take some me time, you know? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Take some me time, but let's have some balance on that, you know? Um, I think about Romans 12. It says, don't be conformed to this world. If you want to talk about like, gods of our culture. Comfort is a huge one, huge God of our culture, you know. Um, and so it's just one of those things where we just have to be cautious that we don't fall into that um, where everything is comfort. I was, thinking, I was thinking today about like, if you were to take someone from like two or 300 years ago and like bring them forwards to today, 
And they'd be like, man, you have this machine that just like drives you around? You don't even have to walk? And you'd be like, yeah, but the chairs in their car are way more comfortable than my chairs. And you're like, but you have a thing that drives you around. Like, again, we just get so caught up in comfort as if it's the most important thing, you know? Um, it's literally my job to explain why the chairs in one car are more comfortable than the other cars, but that's besides the point. Okay. Um, it is, and the thing is, choosing service daily, it is a daily choice. So Galatians 5.25, walking in step with the Spirit. Again, just thinking about the Spirit leading us and guiding us, um, and also convicting us of those wrong motives that I talked about previously. But just think about how everyone serves something. So a good kind of, again, temperature kind of check that you can do even just for yourself, but I would recommend you do with someone else, maybe with your small group, um, is figure out who you are serving. And the best way to do that is look at your day, your time, your resources, your routines, your bank statement. Who are you serving? You know, I think the vast majority of us would say the vast majority of our resources are going towards ourselves. You know, And so the opposite of comfort is serving. Serving is uncomfortable or uncomfy, as some might say. Um, I can't be a good servant if all I care about is my own comfort. Because if someone asks me to serve, I'd be like, well, that's not comfortable. I don't want to do that. You know? um, and we sound like kids. That's literally my kids. I don't, I don't want to do that. It's funny, sometimes my wife would be like, hey, can you guys, would you guys be able to go do this for me? And they'd be like, no. I'm like, no, no, babe, it's not a question. Go do this for us, please. <laughs> okay, so that's the second one is um, choose service daily. And then the third one is church is a great start. Uh, church is a great place to start serving. I don't think it's the end of serving, but it's an excellent place to begin if you're like, I don't really know how to serve. I don't know what to do. It's a great place to start. Obviously, we have lots of serving teams and stuff. Um, and it just helps to become more than just an attender, more than just a consumer. You end up being part of the family, right? Um, and so you're contributing. It's more than just a one-way kind of a conversation in church. It becomes this two-way thing. And again, serving teams is a big one. Um, but how else can you serve in church other than being on a serving team? And I would say that there's tons of them. Um, it, it's funny. It's kind of similar to the thing that I talked about in the summertime about, you know, it's all about presence. Um, Think about like when you're singing during worship. I would argue just singing out loud, you are serving your neighbor. You're humbling yourself, right? You're not worrying about what other people think of you, and you're just giving worship to Jesus who absolutely deserves it. Now think about how Jesus deserves worship more than we deserve comfort, you know? And so when we're like, oh, I don't know if I want to sing, I'll just kind of like mumble it or whatever. Um, it's like, no, like Jesus deserves our worship and it's not about my comfort. And in doing so, in expressing yourself in worship, whether you're clapping loud or singing loud or whatever you're doing, um, you end up encouraging the people around you and serving them in the process. And there's a million other ways. That was just one example that I thought of. Um, but of course, church is a great start, but it's not the end of serving. Remember that when you leave tonight, your job as a servant is not done. You don't clock out. Jesus didn't say, it's really important for you to serve like for a couple hours on a Sunday. Um, remember, serving is not what you do, it's who you are. You know? um, and so I was thinking about like ways to serve, kind of practical stuff. Uh, I feel like there's a couple of categories. There's sort of personal service, um, there's community service. So uh, again, talking about like helping someone carry their groceries out, that's obviously a personal service. You're helping a particular person. You can serve an organization. So shout out to Young Life, obviously. That's a great place for you to serve. Um, they're always looking for young adult leaders to mentor kids, but there's also a zillion other ways to serve with Young Life, as an example. Um, so like, for example, uh, the campaigners meet for dinner, generally. And so somebody has been cooking meals for us for like as long as I've been there, five, six, seven years. 
That's a great, easy place to serve if you know how to cook. I don't know how to cook. But if you know how to cook, that's a great place you can serve. We also need basements to meet in. And so people are like, I live local. I have a basement. I can do that. Sure. You know, and that's just one example. There's tons of other organizations that you can volunteer with. There's also ways to serve no one in particular, just the community in general. The only example I could think of was just like you see trash on the, on the street and it's like I pick it up and put it in the garbage. I'm not serving a particular person, but I'm just sort of serving the community. So there's lots of different practical ways to serve. Um, but I was thinking about Ephesians 2. I came across this really interesting. You ever notice how you're like, yeah, I know that verse and I know that verse, but I didn't know that they were side by side. So Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, very famous verse. I'll read it out. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that nobody can boast. I know that verse. I have heard those verses a great number of times. And it speaks to your works are not going to get you saved. I am not standing here saying you better start serving. Otherwise, Jesus isn't going to love you. That's, that's not the case. Jesus already loved us. Jesus already saved us. And therefore, let's go and serve. So that's verse 8 and 9. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know that verse too. That's a great verse. Yeah, absolutely. God has works planned in advance. And I was like, they're side by side. So you literally have Paul going, hey, listen, you've been saved by grace. It's not a result of works. But don't think that means, okay, sweet, I get to watch Netflix until Jesus comes back. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not saved by works, but we are his workmanship created for good works. So there's literally good works. If you think about time as like a line, and literally Jesus has like all these little works that are like prepared in advance, and you're just kind of walking into them being like, oh, hello, good works. I'm here for you, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, if we're not expecting those things, if we're not looking for those things, if we're not Holy Spirit empowered and Holy Spirit led looking for those things, we're not going to see them. So if we can't figure out how to serve, we must not be looking because apparently God has prepared beforehand a whole bunch of good works for us to do. And so again, church is a great place to start, but it is not the end of serving. So um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Lawrence, uh, who is not here. He is in recovery. I saw a picture of him recently. He was outside walking. Good job, Lawrence. He's doing great. Um, that guy was amazing at serving just stood out to me as like really, really good at that. I remember um, one always stood out to me was that he would serve hot chocolate to the parents and kids walking around on Halloween. Because, you know, we live in Canada. Halloween, you got to wear your winter coat on top of your costume. Anyways, it sucks. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, this guy went out of his way to find ways to serve specifically in his community. He was very good at serving his community. The whole thing in Winborne, I know that he was a huge part of that. And hilariously, um, Miss Grace, where is Miss Grace? She is hiding back there. She is here tonight because her friend Sydney invited her to Young Life. Sydney joined Young Life because her neighbor was Lawrence. And so this guy is like, he's just finding ways to serve hot chocolate and invite people for dinner and serve his community. And it ends up bringing people to Jesus and bringing people to the community and so on and so forth. And it's like, we, we don't understand the impact of our actions. Jesus just calls us to serve. He didn't say, hey, listen, you need to go out and make sure that you get a whole bunch of people saved. That's not what he specifically asked us to do. Go and make disciples, and he called us to serve. And of course, Jesus was the ultimate servant, not just because of what he did, but because of who he was. So think about like the context of Jesus's life. If it was an average person that was like, wow, you know, they, they died for what they believe in, good job. But it's like, no, this is actually the king of the universe that came and died for the people that were killing him. It actually makes it all the more ridiculous and crazy. Um, healing those who he knew would later demand his crucifixion. If he can serve, and he had every legitimate reason not to serve, then who are we to say that we can't serve? Um, so in conclusion, please do not leave here wanting to be a gooder person. That's what it says in my notes. I'm going to be gooder. 
um, so that maybe God will love you and accept you. Please don't leave here like that, okay? Leave here being amazed at how Jesus served us and be motivated to want to be more like him. Understand that Jesus already died for you. If you accept his free gift, you accept him as Lord, you'll be saved. But as your Lord, he calls you to service. That's the other thing. I remember talking about this in the Zechariah thing. It's like we always love Jesus as a savior, but we forget the Jesus as a Lord part. And it's like he is our Lord. And if he's our boss and he calls us to serve, we're not just serving occasionally. We are servants. It's who we are. So let me just finish with 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, let me just close in prayer. God, we thank you that you are the perfect example of a servant. God, you are an amazing, amazing father a God that loves us so incredibly much, a, a powerful and a capable God that created the entire universe, and yet a God that came as a servant to wash the feet of his own disciples. God, we thank you so much for modeling that for us. Holy Spirit, won't you just be with us as we go into our weeks? Open our eyes to the people that are around us. Holy Spirit, lead us into these good works that are prepared in advance for us to do. God, let us just be servants, not look for ways to serve here and there or volunteer our time, but God, let us be servants wherever we are, that we would serve in ways that people would look at us and only see you, that they would look at us and be like, wow, I must glorify whoever's God that is. God, won't you just motivate us? Won't you just fill us with boldness, but also fill us with just courage? Give us energy when we feel tired, when we want to be comfortable. Um, remind us that you are the ultimate servant. You are the ultimate example of service for us. God, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. We just ask that you would be with us as we go into our week. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Don't run off. We have coffee. There is, in fact, coffee. Stay, chat. And if you're on the serving team, we love you. Thank you for serving. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I just wanted to comment because, Brian, thank you for that encouragement and reminder. Um, when you said one of your points was the church is a start for us serving. Uh, I have to tell you a little story. I go regularly to the gym, as you can tell. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I'm there, you know, there was, there was an instructor who was really in a hurry to, um, to leave, she had to go to another class. And I automatically went and said, you go, I'll, I'll sanitize your stuff and put it away. And she looked at me and said, you will? I said, absolutely. She said, oh my gosh, they don't make them like you anymore. <laughs> so that went off. And there was another lady who was, going to, who was a bit late to come to a class. And so I just ran off and put up a mat pulled off the strap, whatever we needed for the workout, and set it up. And she, after the class, she took me and said, introduced me to all her friends outside of the, of the class and said, I want you to meet the sweetest, kindest person I have ever met. Now, I'm not saying that to draw attention to me. I'm saying 
serving started for me in the local church. And we did whatever was necessary, and we still do whatever is necessary to serve others. So I can't say it's become second nature, it's first nature. And that'll be the same for all of us. We've got to start somewhere, taking our eyes off ourselves and putting it on the others all around you. So start tonight, look around us. You know, there's always someone who needs a little chat, who needs a little help, who needs something. And we start to do that. So that was my take. <laughs>